from Sydney. Connecting now. To the world. To the world. No gossip, no bullying, no shaming. Just the inspiring stuff. This is Celebrity Kind with your host, Nahal. Celebrity Kind. Are you serious? Now, I don't know what the funding is for the RFS or what it's been cut. I think it was around $6 billion. That's what we're going to raise. We're raising $6 billion. I'm f***ing it up. Let's just do it. Welcome to Season 2 of the Celebrity Kind Podcast. That was my friend, comedian and Instagram queen, Celeste Barber, who totally doesn't know she's my friend yet, by the way. But gosh, don't we just all feel like we kind of know her now after everything she's done raising funds for bushfire relief? Okay, so she didn't quite make it to $6 billion, but hey, she made it to $51 million, which is pretty damn good, I reckon. And it just goes to show, firstly, how much people really do love Celeste. But more importantly, I think it's a wonderful example of how fame and influence can be used to do a whole lot of good. And that is what this podcast is all about. Not interested in the gossip or the lies here, just the stuff celebrities are doing to make the world a little better, which I hope will also inspire you to go out and do something good too. So I'm kicking off season two with a chat to celebrity photographer and humanitarian Alexei Lubomirsky. He's photographed pretty much every celebrity you can possibly think of. We're talking Beyonce, Julia Roberts, J-Lo, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Yup, he did Harry and Meghan's wedding. He was the official photographer at the recent Golden Globes. He's easily one of the most recognised names in fashion photography, not only because his work is truly brilliant, but also because he's just an amazing human being. Now, he's got a great little story about how he got the royal wedding gig and what it was like hanging out with Harry and Meghan. Plus, we chat about his latest animal rights project, Creatives for Change. He is one fascinating guy with a huge heart. My chat with Alexi is coming up right after this message. Forget the same old overpriced gift hampers, you guys. Giftboss.com.au, that's gift B-O-S-S, is where you want to shop. They make modern, affordable gift hampers for stylish people featuring a range of sustainable Australian-made products. There are gifts for him, for her, for new parents and even pets. Give a gift that stands out and is guaranteed to bring on the smiles. Check out Giftboss, that's gift B-O-S-S.com.au. When he's not being the official photographer at the Golden Globes or capturing strikingly beautiful images of some of the biggest names in the world, including Beyonce, J-Lo and Jennifer Aniston, photographer Alexei Lubomirsky is using his platform to speak up about important issues in the world and encourage change. He's not only one of the most respected and talented people in the industry, he's an advocate for more diversity in photo shoots and more respectful behaviour towards women. He's also a long-time environmentalist and animal rights activist. In fact, Alexi has started a movement called Creatives for Change to encourage models, photographers and other creatives to say no to the use of exotic animal skins in photo shoots. So why is he doing this and how is he getting a multi-billion dollar industry to grow a conscience? Well, he's on the line right now to tell us all about it. Alexi, it's an honour to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Tell me, what is it like to be the one who gets to take the official photos of the winners of the Golden Globes? Because they must be on such an incredible high in that moment and you get to see it all and capture it. Yeah, it's rather surreal um, because everybody jumps off the stage and the first thing they do, I think, is they get marched through the kitchens of the hotel, the Beverly Hilton, uh, straight through to, I think they get one interview for two minutes and then they're thrust into yeah. around the corner into my studio and, uh, you know, they all of a sudden they walk into this room and they have these bright lights on them and they have this weirdo me going, hi there, how are you doing? My name's Alexi, we're taking your picture. And they're, they're, they're on such a sort of high and they're, they're, 
emotional, they've been crying, they've been laughing, whatever it is. And, uh, and you, <laughs> well, luckily they're happy, which is always a, which is always a, a good first step. <laughs> it helps, doesn't it? So, um, yeah. come on and we just take these, uh, I get very lucky. Sometimes we get 10 seconds, sometimes we get three minutes. Um, there's, sometimes it's a bit of a celebrity, celebrity traffic jam because you think that you have, for example, you, you know, you think because of the order of the award, you think, right, the first award is this. So you're going to have whatever it is, Tom Hanks coming in and then. As, as the door opens, all of a sudden, this publicist comes running in going, it's not Tom Hanks. We've got the cast of Fleabag coming in. And all of a sudden, you have to quickly change the <laughs> set. And just as Fleabag gets on set, then another publicist comes running in going, I've got Elton John and Bernie Talk, and they need to be out of here in 18 seconds. So you're kind of <laughs> trying to get everybody in focus and everybody focus on the camera. Anyway, and it just carries on like that. So it's a three-hour whirlwind of excitement and craziness and, uh, yeah, yes. nuts. Do you get to relax at the end of the night and just hang out? At the end of it, you feel like you've been spat out by a tornado. <laughs> so you kind of, <laughs> you're, you're, you're sitting in the middle of this set just sort of wondering what the hell has happened. And then you can't really sleep because during those three hours, you've met this plethora of sort of incredible actors, some of whom you admire and have, have admired for years, Others who you've just known for a few sort of years, yes. a few a short time, and so you're kind of going, you're processing all the things that happened. You're like, oh my god, I took pictures of Tom Hanks, or oh my god, Ellen was just here with <laughs> with, with Carol Burnett, was nuts, and funny things they said, and funny things that happened, and. Yeah, so it's, uh, you, you kind of have to process it until about three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I can imagine. Now, besides the Globes, you have been working for many years with some of the biggest celebrities in the world anyway. I mentioned earlier Jennifer Lopez, Beyonce. Uh, I know you did a beautiful Serena Williams cover, just to name a few, but also the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. In fact, you were their royal wedding photographer. Now, how does that work? Do Harry or Meghan just call you up one day and say, hey, will you come and do this for us? <laughs> it was a rather sort of surreal story where I'd gone to visit my mum, who was having a 10-hour operation to take a brain tumor out. And it was the worst day of my life because the doctor basically said there's a 50-50 chance that she'll make it because it's in a very bad place. So me and my brother and sister were walking up and down the corridors and in the background for the 10 hours was the TV playing the news on repeat and it said, you know, uh, Harry and Meghan have been engaged. And, but it, I didn't really register it. So we were waiting for the doctor to call us after 10 hours. And then after 10 hours, nobody called. So we started freaking out. After 11 hours, nobody called. And all of a sudden, the, the phone rings. And so I nervously pick up the, the phone and I say, hello. And they say, hello, is that Alexi? And I say, yes, yes, yes. And they say, oh, this is Kensington Palace calling. And I kind of looked up in horror at my brother and sister. I was like, what? <laughs> so God, my, wow. my, poor brother, my, my poor brother and sister must have thought the worst had happened to my mom. <laughs> And I was like, what, what uh, sorry, who is this again? Who is this? And they said, it's Kensington Palace. Can we talk to Alexi? And I was like, uh, I'm sorry, who is this? And then I thought, and then I suddenly remembered the news articles of the day. So I thought it was my best friend pranking me. So I was about to unleash a, a blue language down the, the phone <laughs> saying, I can't believe you bloody did this today. This is my mom's operation day. You can't do this. And so I just took a deep breath and said, I'm sorry, one more time. Can I ask who this is? And they said, Kensington Palace. We want to do a project with you. So I said, is it okay if I call you back tomorrow? And so uh, I put the phone down. Two minutes later, the doctor called. My, my mum was, was a success, the operation. And we went up to see my mum and my brother. The first thing he said was like, guess who just called Alexi? <laughs> she would, I think it gave, her, it gave her a good reason to get better quickly. Yeah, yeah. and then two days later, I met with the, the, the couple. And first of all, she said, uh, do you know Marcus? 
Who is Marcus Anderson, Megan's friend. Yeah, Tanya Marcus. And she goes, oh, he saw on Instagram that you were in England because I'd taken one of those obligatory out of the window of a plane picture saying on the way to UK and posted it. Uh And she said, and Marcus said, you're an amazing photographer and we would love you. And since then, I've been looking at all your recent pictures on Instagram, the pictures of Jennifer Aniston and et cetera, et cetera. And we love your work and we want to talk to you about this project to see if it would be the right fit. She said, how would you, how would you do the job? And so it was the four of us sitting there, it was me and a couple and uh, their secretary. And I said, well, you know, obviously in, in uh, royal engagement photography, you have to have certain things. You know, you, you can't be kissing, you can't be jumping up and down or running through, you know, the field. There has to be a certain sort of uh, elegance to it. And you have to show the yes. ring and everything. And I said, but I would like to sort of break it a bit. And I would want to make it authentic to you guys. And as we were talking about it, they were sitting together on the couch and every time one of them would talk, the other one would look at them with these adoring eyes and then they would, they would catch eyes with each other and there would just be this smile and this sparkle. <laughs> and it was just, and I was like, oh my God. And so I kind of stopped and I said, you know what? Forget everything I just said. Look at you guys now. You're so adorably in love and it's just so lovely to watch. This is what I want to capture. I want to capture you as humans rather than still life. And so uh-huh. I think what we should do is just like, I'll come along with my camera and we'll just walk around Windsor Castle and you guys just be in love and I'll take pictures of you guys. And that's kind of what we did. And it was, uh, it was one of the most beautiful experiences as a, as a photo shoot because, first of all, I'm a complete cheese ball and I love anything to do with love and romance. I love taking pictures of families yeah. and couples and all that sort of stuff. When you get that sort of lovely, when you're invited in to, to, to document somebody, you know, a, a couple of real emotions with each other. And so we, uh, we spent the whole day walking around Windsor Castle. And then at the end of the day, the sun was going down and uh, I had this visual reference in my head of Audrey Hepburn with her husband, Mel, Fer- Mel Ferrer. And there was this picture I had in my head where her husband was wrapping her, wrapping Audrey Hepburn up in this big overcoat. So I saw Harry was wearing a big overcoat. I said, why don't you wrap her up in it? And so they were both facing me. And I was like, oh, it's great. It's amazing. It's great. And I, I talk a lot when I'm taking pictures. I get very excited. And, <laughs> and, I said, yeah, now, and I said, now, could you just turn around and face him? And as soon as she turned around to face him, there was electricity everywhere. And everybody was like, oh, amazing. And I was going, click, 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 click. And I was like, oh, it's great. And all of a sudden, they looked up at each other. And then I was like, oh, my God, it's great. It's great. It's great. great. And then the ring popped out of the, you know, I suddenly something saw the ring pop out of the jacket and I was squealing like a, like a little like a sort of 12 year old. <laughs> and, and, and they, I think that everybody was sort of found it so amusing and they looked up at each other and there was this sparkle and they smiled and then she sort of shut her eyes and he looked down at her and I took a picture and I was like, we got it, we got it, it was amazing. And I was jumping around and that was one of the pictures that they used, that black and white close up shot. And I think it was yes. such a sort of, I, I, I knew it was going to get pressed because it was a, you know, obviously an engagement. And people said that, that, that usually in royal engagement photography, the people look at the camera, so you feel like they're posing for you, whereas, and you yeah. felt like you're, being, you're witnessing a very intimate moment between these two. Like you, and uh, anyway, so that was it. It was a very beautiful, a beautiful experience. And then, and then of course they had you photograph uh, the wedding. Another chapter of surrealness. <laughs> amazing, amazing. That is like that is just the best story. I. You, 
could possibly have imagined you telling me about the couple. That's amazing. And I'm glad to hear your mum was okay as well. I've I've had my uncle passed away from brain cancer, so I know it's a very difficult thing to go through. So Yeah, yes, yes. And can I ask, Harry and Meghan are obviously in the headlines a lot at the moment after announcing they're stepping down as senior royals. Interestingly, the people who are given a platform to speak about them have generally never even met them, but you have. What's going through your mind when you see the things that are being written and said about them? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I see everything that's written, and I think that, I mean, as a father and as a husband, and mm. somebody who, who gets to witness, um, sort of like I, I document celebrities, which means that I get to sort of yes. see a lot of, I get to, I get to make, a, I get to have a sort of short, brief window into these people's lives, um, and though that couple are such, they have such intense scrutiny on them that it is impossible, and from what I got such an amazing vibe from them at the beginning that they were two people who had they both had lives before they got together and they both know that that it was like you had these two forces of people who had had jobs had lives and they had they realized the power of their platform and they wanted to just literally just do good and and bring awareness and raise awareness and just use their platform for good and then putting those two forces together became a superpower of doing good and it's just such a shame to see people like that being knocked down because they have the best intentions. And, and you know, I think that everybody deserves to be happy. You know, I, I think that and if yeah, whatever, whatever choice they make for their family and themselves, I, I think, you know, I have nothing but respect for them and support for them because any, any father, any husband or father or mother or wife wants to look after their, protect their family. From from whatever that may be, and I think that that's what they want to do. They want to do good, but they also want to protect their family from from um, uh, you know this this sort of constant media attention and this pressure. So I, I just I wish them all the best. I, I can't I, I you know I think they deserve to be happy just as everybody else does. Sure. Look, thank you for answering that. I understand it's a bit of a tricky one to address. But Alexi, the real reason I wanted to speak to you, believe it or not, has nothing to do with Harry or Megan. Um, it's to learn more about this fascinating movement you've started called Creatives for Change. Can you explain what that is exactly? I, talking about what we did using our platform, I realised sort of I would say you know five years ago that I did have a platform, whether I liked it or not. And, you know, I think everybody has a platform these days with, yes. you know, with social media and whether you have a hundred followers or a hundred million followers, it is a platform. And I think that there is an element of duty or responsibility of how you use your platform, whether you use it for positive, positive, yes, positive ripples or negative ripples. And, um, I think that, you know, I was already starting to do, I was already, you know, not shooting fur and, um, sort of trying to sort of move towards a more sustainable way of shooting fashion, whether it was in the production aspect of the photo shoots or whether it was to do with what I was shooting uh, and what I was highlighting and sort of putting in the pages in the magazines. And then when I did the, the Royal Wedding, that really sort of gave my visibility a, a significant boost. And so we immediately thought, like, how can we use this rather than just, you know, for more likes or more followers how can we actually use this platform to uh, to to spread awareness of something good and, and to sort of do something meaningful i love and that so That's because great. i'm a vegan and i've always sort of fought for for no fur in the industry i thought i'm going to try and use this sort of recognition to try and get into people's doors 
and to ask people in the industry, the creatives in the industry, to remember their responsibility as creators and to recognize the power that they hold as creators to, to, to inspire people in either negative or positive ways. So, for example, I think that, you know, if you have a, a photographer who decides not to shoot fur or feathers or exotic skins, it's because they realize that if I shoot a, a you know beautiful girl walking down the street and she has a fur jacket on and she's drinking from a plastic bottle and she's smoking a cigarette and she has these incredible alligator shoes on, then when you put that out there, you know, we forget about it. We've taken a picture. We like to take a good picture and that's it. That's our job done. But we forget that that picture then goes out into the world and creates massive ripples and it touches different people. And yep. that's our responsibility to recognize that message that goes out. So when a young girl sees that picture, if you're good at your job, then you have made an inspirational or aspirational picture. And therefore, a girl, young girl is going to go, I want to be like that person in the picture. Whether that means I want to smoke cigarettes or I want to wear alligator skin boots or I want to wear a fur or I want to drink from plastic bottles and not care. And so I realized that I was actually with my imagery putting out stuff that people are supposed to be inspired by and they're inspiring, they're inspiring people to buy clothes or to buy products. So I wanted to inspire people in the correct way uh, and use my sort of creative power for, for, for better. And I realized, so I realized that not many people in the industry realize their power. You know, we all think that we're, we're a cog in the machine and that it's not our job to change. We'll change when we're told to change. So I would go and talk to photographers and I would say, listen, I would like you to change, you know, to sign this pledge saying no more fur feathers exotic skins in your work. And the photographers would say, I love what you're doing. Um, and I will definitely stop shooting this stuff when the magazines stop putting it in their pages. And then, so I went to see the magazines and the mm -hmm. magazine said, we will, we love what you're doing. And you know, we know, but at the end of the day, it's about money and we'll definitely stop doing it when the designers stop creating them. So I went to see the designers and the designers said, I will stop creating them when the public stops demanding them. But the trouble is that the public will not, stop demanding these things until we stop putting it in the magazines and making them look aspirational. So we all have a duty to step outside of this, this circle and to sort of just say no. And um, so I, I, obviously I have in my rider and my contracts that whenever I get a job, when I get booked, the first thing I tell them is before, you know, way before we're on set, but I don't think it's, it's polite or, or correct for me to turn up on the shoot and say, by the way, I can't shoot this, this and this. You have to be respectful of the whole process. So as soon as I get booked, whether it's a month before the shoot yes. or a few weeks, I say, listen, just FYI, I can't shoot fur, feathers, or exotic skins. And I would like to have a sort of green set. And then they can go away and say, okay, should we get rid of these few fur, feathers, exotic skin items or, and, and shoot with Alexi, or should we just go for another photographer? And each job, it depends. And so, you know, I, I know for a fact that I've lost many jobs since 2008 when mm. that was the first time I, I turned down. Um, that was actually the crossroads when it happened, when, when I was asked by a supermodel of the time to shoot her for a Black Glamour campaign. Now, Black Glamour is a very old, famous fur company where people like Elizabeth Taylor and Pavarotti and Diana Ross, they all modeled for this thing and, you know, he covered head to toe in mink. And this supermodel asked me to shoot her for it. And it was the most money I would have ever made at that time. And you turned it and down. Course, you know, I had bills to pay. I had student loans to pay off. And I thought to myself, wow, yeah. this, is, this is kind of nuts. I mean, we paid. It's not like shooting my shoots before where there might be one or two pieces in the whole shoot. This was 100% fur. 
and I was going to get paid really well for it. And I thought to myself, my God, yeah. this is this is this is crunch time. I have to make a decision. What kind of what kind of person am I, and what are my ethics as a creative? And so I told my agent, I said, I'm really sorry, I don't think I can do it. And my agent at the time was like, You're crazy. You know, you, you, it's a bit hypocritical because mm-hmm. you've shot you've shot fur before in your editorials, and everybody does it. And you know, this is a crazy amount of money, and you, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I said, You know what? I'm so sorry, I can't do it. And I thought to myself, my God, and I was sweating so heavily when I was saying this. And I thought I was going to immediately regret this decision. And I remember as soon as I put the phone down, I had this incredible sense of, of uh, relief and this like, like I'd taken this huge yeah. breath of fresh air because I knew that I'd made a tough decision, but for a, a, right, for, decision. For a, yes. a right decision for the right reasons. And, yeah. and it set me off on that path. And I realized that I don't want to be at the end of my career where I suddenly, you know, I look back and go, I wish I'd used my power when I had it. And now more and more, you know, compared to 2008, I'm in a much sort of better position in terms of career, despite losing all these jobs. Yeah. And, um, but I'm now able to sort of try and change this industry a little bit. Just my wife was very clever. She's um, much more clever than I am, thank God. And she said, uh, <laughs> she's the environmental um backbone of the family and we always talk about the ethics that we have as a family in contrast to the ethics of the industry that i work in and we've always wanted to try and sort of how can how can i justify shooting for these big brands but then have this these ethics at home and my wife said to me don't jump off the ship because you don't like where it's heading stay on the ship and use any influence you have to gently to change the direction of the boat and so that it's taken me five Amazing. years to actually yeah. start seeing results and now we're seeing more and more. I'm getting booked for more and more jobs where people are coming to us and saying, listen, we love the fact that you're doing this and we want to align our company with you and work with a photographer who has these ethics in mind and uh, do the collaboration or do this and that and the other. So things can move in other direction. You know what, Alexi, this resonates with me so much because this is the very reason that I branched out from my industry and started Celebrity Kind. Right. You know, for that same reason, the ethics that I had and the ethics that the celebrity news industry has are just not compatible at all. So, you know, it's really wonderful to hear that you stuck with your values and you still had a flourishing, successful career. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and the fact is, we are all educated, compassionate people in our hearts. We don't want to cause suffering, but we're disconnected. And that's the, there's a massive disconnection between what we what we what we know is wrong but and then there's a huge gap uh, and then it's what we actually do in our daily life and so for example yeah. veganism you know i'm a vegan and you know it's a, it's uh i had the same conversations with people about that we've been so and i can understand that the the, the reason we we so many people are finding it difficult to connect because we've been brought up in our whole lives we've been sold burgers by a laughing clown every carton of milk has a happy cow in it. So this it's this years and decades of marketing and and sort of brainwashing. And um, so I don't blame blame anybody. We're all on our own journey. And I understand also going back to the fashion industry that, that there is fear. You know, of course we all have to we all have to feed our families. We all have to job security. You know, people are scared that if they say no, will they get hired again? Will they sort of yeah. push away potential clients? Which is a Absolutely understandable uh, fear, but I sort of remind them, I say, listen, you don't have to do it in one big step. 
you know, you don't have to sort of conquer the whole mountain in one one foul swoop. You can take baby steps. So if it means that you just, you know, slowly ask that you don't shoot this or don't shoot that, or even just have conversations with people about it, have conversations with your clients about it, and slowly plant the seed, and it will grow. And the more baby steps you take in the right direction, you'll suddenly find that you've made your way to the top of the mountain and climbed over it. And it's just because I've, I've worked with clients where um, I've been working with a certain client for six years. And I remember at the first, it was a very, it was a huge campaign. I remember the first sort of big pre-production meeting. They were saying, okay, we're going to have this supermodel and she's going to be walking down Fifth Avenue and she's going to be carrying this, you know, she's going to be drinking from a smart water bottle and she's going to be wearing her fur jacket and she's going to be so cool. And, and I was thinking to myself, okay, uh, so I sort of did the job. And the second time we got the job, I sort of whispered into the, the, the when we were all talking around the pre-production, I sort of like peeked and put my hand up and I said, well, can I just make a little point? I, I think that if this girl, this character we're portraying is this super cool, you know, millennial, awesome, wonderful, clued up girl, maybe she might not be wearing a fur coat because you don't want to be called out for that. Yeah. And maybe she might not be mm. drinking from a plastic bottle because, you know, if she's cool, then she's probably woke. And, you know, and so slowly, after six years now, this client who I've been working with, who is a massive worldwide uh, client, global client, they now have green shoots, they don't shoot any fur, no plastic on set, and it was all because of my little tiny whispers in their ears, which I feel so lucky to be a part of. But that's what I'm trying to remind people, that everybody has a, has, has a voice and a creative power. And a lot of the creatives don't realize the stylist. You know, if you're a stylist for a huge magazine like a Vogue or a Bazaar or something, or an L magazine, you're the person who is supposed to decide what is cool this season. So that's why you choose this yes. bag over this bag or this shoe over this shoe. So you should, you should sort of just take into account that you, you are, quote, unquote, the cool one who makes the decisions. So you can tell people that it's cool to care and it's cool to go for the more sustainable one. And to go, you know, for the eco bag over the sort of the the, the, the bloodied history bag. So I, it's just about sort of slowly, slowly whispering in people's ears. And just to clarify, I guess, for people listening, your creatives for change, specifically the pledge is for furs and exotic skins and feathers. Does that mean it doesn't include leather, general leather from, say, cows? So when we, when we started it, which was just after the wedding, the royal wedding, yeah, 100%. Leather is our big, um, <laughs> I want to say big fish to fry, but I can't say that because I'm vegan. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's, it's a big tofu. It's a big tofu to grill. Um, tofu. So, <laughs> yes. So I think that, you know, again, I, it's kind of like saying to somebody, I want you to go vegan tomorrow. What you have to do is you have yep, to say, okay. why don't we go to a meatless Monday? So yes. using that same tactic, I, want, I, I wanted to say baby steps because, I, you know, fur was already being kind of pulled out, really. People were sort of going against it. Yep. So I wanted to give somebody an easy thing to say, oh, yeah, I can jump on that bandwagon. But I also wanted to see if they would go for the feathers and the exotic skins at the same time. Now, some people who I've talked to have only signed for fur and exotic skins. And they've been very honest with me and they said, listen, I love what you're doing. I can definitely do fur and exotic skins, but the truth is I love shooting feathers. And for me, that's still a win. Of course, I would love to get them sign all three, but if I can get that particular photographer who has a huge following 
to go on his Instagram and say, I pledge no more fur and exotic skins. That's a massive win because he's inspiring. He's not only inspiring all of his followers who want to be just like him, who young creatives, young photographers who want to be just like him. And now they'll go, oh, I never even thought about that. I want to do that because he's doing that. But also that means that yeah. every time he does a shoot, he won't make a fur jacket or an exotic skin look gorgeous and aspirational. So uh, it's, yes. it's just, you know, each person has a different different amount they can do. But anyway, going back to what 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 you said about the leather, the leather is the big yes. sort of the big goal. And two years ago, whenever we did the wedding, uh, a year and a half ago, leather, was, there wasn't enough leather options or uh, alternative options to really sort of say to people, you can make a switch. Now, however, there is, there's been such huge additional uh, initiatives. So now there's mushroom leather, there's pineapple, pineapple leather, there's, there's apple leather, and it can be produced in huge quantities, which was what the problem was before. Before, they could only do small quantities, so it wasn't sort of uh, viable. But now they can really, you know, there's one called uh, Bolt Threads, um, and they do mushroom leather, and they, I think they're supplying Stella McCartney now. And um, so now wow. we can really start pushing that. But again, it's baby steps. And you've had some big names who've signed the pledge already. Can you tell me who they are? Uh, we've had people like, you know, designers like uh, Diane von Furstenberg and Philip Lim. We've got photographers like Inez and Vinod, Jan Paolo Scura. Uh, we've got celebrities like uh, Jennifer Aniston, Kate Winslet, Eva Mendez. I think we've even got some, some celebrity hair and makeup people. Uh, like Jennifer Anderson's um, hairdresser, Chris McMillan, who is hugely famous for doing the whole Rachel Cut from Friends from years ago. And um, yep. and, now we're, and now we took a break over sort of November, December, and uh, now we're going to start re-attacking people and, um, and, you know, getting more people on board. Yeah, right. So it's really interesting what you said before about, I guess, being blind consumers of fashion, which is what essentially most of us are. We don't understand the process it took to create particular items. And, I mean, I recently read that it takes four crocodiles to make one crocodile skin bag. Um, that's according yeah. to animal rights group Peter. So my question is what does happen to these exotic animals before they're turned into, you know, crocodile skin or snake skin fashion or fur or, or whatever it is? What's happening behind the scenes that so many of us, I guess, are oblivious to? I mean, there's, uh, it depends who you read and what you – because there's so much sort of information out there and a lot of it is, there mired, is it. It, mired in sort of uh, truths and untruths. But I think at the end of the day – you know, fur is obvious. You know, fur you get you get sort of the, the, the these, yep. these fur farms and these animals cave to mutating themselves because they're going crazy in their cells. Um, the, the, the exotic skins. You know, you're talking about snakes being skinned alive. You're talking about these these alligators being farmed for handbags. Mm. We've got we've got to be ahead of the curve. The fashion industry is supposed to be leading the curve and, and leading us towards the future and telling us what will be cool or what will be what we'll be wearing next season or how we'll be living. And we're kind of falling a little bit behind in, in terms of what's actually going on in the world. People are becoming more and more aware. It's, it's, it's shocking. And you kind of, all you have to do is literally yeah. just go online and say, show me a video of how fur is made. Show me a video of a fur farm. Show me a video of, yeah. of, um, of ostriches being farmed in, 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 in Africa to, for their feathers and for their skins, for handbags. See how they skin alive uh, snakes and, and, and um, different sort of exotic lizards and stuff. And it's just, you, you know, we, I know it's, a, it's an obvious thing, but people are still sort of disconnected. You know, you, we, we love our dogs. 
we love, and especially look at Australia. You know, we 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 are everybody is mourning the loss of what is yeah. it, half a billion animals killed? Yes. Yeah. And that's just, that's just crazy. Absolutely. Devast- horrible, horrible. Mm. And you see, I, I mm. watch on Instagram as you see these people sort of saying, oh, it's so awful, it's so awful. And quite rightly so. It is, it is awful. But it shows that we do have compassion for animals. But it's only because when we see that, we feel compassionate. But as soon as we see a bag, we don't associate that as... Yeah, it's glamorized. We don't associate that bag with death and suffering. Yeah, uh, a bag made out of a koala with the koala's head still on, we would, of yeah. course, run the other yeah. direction, saying yeah. this is barbaric. But it's kind of disguised from us. And, and, and it's not our fault. You know, we've, like I said, it's all marketing, and it's been decades and decades of just this is the norm. And it's just about sort of waking ourselves up and just edu- educating ourselves and, and also listening, uh, as cheesy as it sounds, listening to our heart. I think that, you know, when we look at things like, for example, the, 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 the animals that got, uh, you know, that are killed in Australia. When we look at those mm-hmm. images, we feel, we, we have this automatic emotion of despair and sorrow and, and, yes. and, and wishing we could help. And I think that as soon as you watch a video of how fur feathers and exotic skins are made, the reason people can't watch it and they swipe it away is because they know very well but as soon as they see that, they're going to have to say to themselves, oh, crap, mm. what, what, I have to make a decision now. Because it's this, 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 this comfort in, in pretending that we don't know. And sort of just, if we don't see the video, we can just carry on sort of feigning ignorance. Now, the, the, only, the only thing I would say, which is, you know, because like I said, I don't, I don't want to, it's not about judgment. It's not about sort of vilifying anybody for their choices. But now, because, because we're in the age of information, we do have all the information we need about anything in our pockets on our phone. And so 20 years ago, we could say, oh, my God, I never realized that's how it was made. Nowadays, we can literally type in, how is this made? And we'll get all the answers. So now it's kind of put in our lap this question of we are either choosing not to know because we don't want to, to, to have to face that change in our life, or we are going to actually get the knowledge and follow our yeah. hearts and what our heart tells us. Because at the end of the day, we all have a heart and we all, you know, and, and yeah. a, lot of, a lot of the time people go, okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> My heart tells me it's not the right thing to do. And, and then they sign the pledge. Yeah, you make some very interesting points there. Um, and can I ask as well, because I, I interviewed actress Alexandra Paul recently, who's from uh, yeah. Baywatch. She's coming up on the podcast in a few weeks. And she was telling me that when she first got into acting in the early 80s, I think it was, she insisted on having a clause inserted into all her contracts saying that she wouldn't wear fur and she would not use makeup that's been tested on animals. And no one blinked an eye. It was fully accepted, which is strange in a way, because you'd think there was much less awareness about it back in right. the early 80s. And I think... If she could do it then, obviously, you know, creatives can do it now. Yeah, I mean, I think, so, so was that a, a contract on her Baywatch thing? Yes, yep. So she, apparently they did, you know, a couple of episodes at SeaWorld and she didn't want to be ah, a part of it and they were fine with that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's Isn't the that thing. Amazing? And I tell people, especially photographers, you know, you look at the, you look at the sort of the, 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 the 90s of excess, and you had these huge photographers, you know, flying private jets, and they would demand, you know, I want red M&Ms, and I want a private jet, and I want, you know, champagne cooling in my green room, and, and all these things. And they would get all these diva requests. 
And so I'm telling people now, I say, I said, yes. you can still be a diva, but just use your diva stuff for good. Use your diva card for good causes. <laughs> and so I always yes, joke on set, but yes, I'm, I'm being a diva because, you know, I want vegan food on set or I, I don't want to shoot fur or feather exotic skin. And, you know, nobody can fault you for that. People can fault you saying, oh, God, Alexi wanted a private jet and a, and a trailer for himself and a whole, <laughs> uh, you know. Yep. And so we're not asking for that. We're asking for things that are about compassion and, and empathy and, you know, things that nobody can fault. Yeah, and I think there's a shift in culture happening right now just being aware, having, being a bit more conscious of what, what, you know, where things came from, how they, you know, how you ended up with a crocodile skin bag and things like that. I, you totally understand it. It's sort of, we are all, I often say it about um, celebrity journalism. We are mindlessly throwing our money towards tabloids and these magazines that are tearing people down and, you know, yet we sit here and we talk about how terrible bullying is and how terrible body shaming is, but we're giving our money to this industry that does just that. Yeah, we're feeding the beast, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, no, I think what you're doing is so wonderful, so informative. I know it opened my eyes to a part of the fashion industry that I'd never really thought about before. Um, And if any of you listening would like to learn more about Alexi's project, whether you are a supermodel or not, check out Creatives for Change on his page, alexilubomirsky.com. Can I just say before you go, mm. you were speaking about your wife before. I know her as Eco Shaker. Yeah. I'm sure she's got a real name though. Um, <laughs> and I know there's a photo of you on your Instagram, a photo of both of you, and you're hiding your faces under a jacket having your first kiss. And I was like, <laughs> how amazing, because most people never get to have that photo of their first kiss, but you've got it. I uh, know. That was, that was, uh, that was uh, a nice little blessing from, <laughs> from the heavens. <laughs> It was, oh, uh, isn't it wonderful? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a funny, whoever your friend uh, that was stalking you that day was. Good on him. <laughs> well, yeah, it was, it was his Christmas party, and at like three o'clock in the morning, and I was leaving, and I, I bumped into her at the coat rack, and I recognised her from the photo studio. I was like, "Oh, yeah, I know you. You're that girl." And I, you're the photographer, and we started talking on this chair in the <laughs> middle of the dance floor, and uh, I was drunk enough and sort of silly enough to sort of lean in and uh, you know try and get a kiss out of her <laughs> and thank God she kissed back and and then I, I thought like a sort of like an ostrich I thought if I, if, if I hide us underneath a, um, a jacket then nobody will be able to see us <laughs> kissing and of course we're in the middle of this dance floor on this long chair with these feet hanging uh, sticking out of this jacket and then the owner of the, 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 the party walked past and took this picture and sent it to us oh when we got engaged I think which was about a, a year later so it was a lucky shot. Oh, wow. I love that. I love that. Alexi, you are extremely inspiring. I love all the work that you do. I reckon I could talk to you for hours about all of this, but um, <laughs> I will let you go. So thank you so much for chatting. I really appreciate your time. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. For more inspiring celebrity news, truth, and kindness, check out celebritykind.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening to Celebrity Kind.